are 39 milahot which constitute forms of work forbidden on the Sabbath. It's the why behind the way we do the things we do. Join Rabbi Musha Schnurb now for Hilchos Shabbos, only on 101.9 High FM. Point nine Chai FM. The program is Soul to Soul, and it is Erev Shabbos Kodesh Pashas Mishpatim in the year Tafshin Pei Beis five seven eight two. An amazingly warm welcome to all of our radio family. It is so great to have you on board to take the time on Erev Shabbos, busy Erev Shabbos, to join us to be part of our radio family. Hopefully to learn something together, to be inspired, to have maybe something that we can speak about at the table, to become enriched, and to go into Shabbos Kodesh feeling ready and and, and willing to recover the Kedusha of, of, of Shabbos Kodesh. It really is. It's such an honor and a privilege to be able to spend this time with you every, every single week. And I, I keep continuously diving. That I should, that I should, I'll be allowed to have this chus to continue to empty your homes, empty your minds, and somehow be able to have a relationship with you, even though it's, you know, sometimes like talking to the walls, it's, 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 we don't really communicate in, 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 in the way of communication being a, a two-way street, but I really would appreciate. In fact, if we could communicate, if I get some feedback as to what you enjoy, what you don't enjoy, what you want more of, what you really want less of, and and let us know what's what's going on. So let's get right in. We have an amazing, busy, busy, busy partial with so many mitzvahs, so many fundamental ideas. One of them is Kisirech Hamor Sanacha. When you see the donkey of your enemy. Lying under its burden. It can't get up. It needs help. There's an issue here of Tsar Balechayim. You must nevertheless raise it, raise it with him. If you look in the Targum Yenison, he explains the words, Azayv Tazayv Imoy, you shall certainly help him. He says it, you must nevertheless Raise it with him. In other words, and you should vacate your feelings of hatred, of animosity at that time towards him. He's saying, he's your enemy. Stop being his enemy and assist with him. In other words, apparently, the way the Targum Yenisim is learning, he interprets the words as azayv tazayv into as Abandon. Lazov means to leave. So vacate, abandon, leave your feelings of hatred towards him. While usually uh, Azov Tazov applies to one's negative feeling against the person. You know, it's while one should never hate another Jew. This refers to one, the Gemara says in Pesachim, who has sinned and you witnessed him doing a sin where you're allowed to be repulsed by such a person's actions. Nevertheless, when it comes to him being in a situation of danger, you have to completely forgo, put aside, squash all those feelings and help him. Now, why do you have to relinquish his, you know, his uh, hatred in order to provide support? Surely he has to do what he has to do because the Torah instructs him to do so. Why does he have to vacate his feelings? I don't. It doesn't make difference whether you like him or not. You got a job to do. You have a requirement. There's an animal suffering. There's a person who needs an act of chesed. Go and do it, irrespective of what your feelings are. Who says you have to love the person that you help? Right? Is the help otherwise insufficient? He learns from here that in order to fulfill the mitzvah of chesed, acting with kindness, and you want to do it, you want to do it properly, in complete perfection, it's not enough simply to perform the act by rote, or because this is what we do. We must feel a sense of kinship, love, of goodwill towards the beneficiary. Otherwise, he is lacking in true empathy. If he has no empathy, 
His chesed is flawed. Superficial chesed always comes up short. Following the completion of his act of chesed, he may actually return to his negative feelings as the, as the Targum emphasizes. He's gonna, you know, at that time he'll do it and then he'll go back to it. No! Only if you truly eradicate those negative feelings towards him and change your attitude will the chesed be complete and then you'll be able to have a true rapprochement, a, a true situation where you can once again regard this person as being a, a proper Jew, someone who you have respect for in spite of whatever it is that he may have, he may have done. This is 101.9 Chayafim. We're going to come back in a moment, there's so much more to talk about. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Moshe Schnurb, only on 101.9 High FM. 101.9 Chai FM. This is sold to stop back on your way to Erev Shabbos Kodesh Pashas Mishpatim Tav Shin Pei Beis. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for making us part of your very, very busy Friday as we spend some time together growing, learning, being inspired by the week's Pasha and hopefully learning some life lessons that can take us through this Shabbos and through the coming, through the coming week. So obviously this week's Pasha talks a great deal about Tzedakah. So, the story goes that when the Ponovich Sarov, uh, put up the yeshiva in, uh, in, uh, in Eretz Yisrael, so he needed staff, he needed for staff for the yeshiva, so all the technical staff for the, for the, for the yeshiva were Jews, Nebuch, Jews that were survivors of, of the Holocaust that had come to Eretz Yisrael, people with difficult lives. And the, the yeshiva was for them, a roof over the head, and of course a source for, for Panasa. One of them was someone called Rav Moshe, who was, uh, he was the yeshiva carpenter. And his main job was fixing the, the standards that had come, that come apart. One day, it was a very, very hot day, and the Panovich Rav saw Rav Moshe sitting bent over, sweating profusely, trying to fix a, a stender that had definitely seen better days. The Panovich Rav comes over to him, and with great warmth, tapped him on the shoulder, and said to him, Rav Moshe, what amazing schus we have. 30 years we're together building the yeshiva. Rav Moshe stood up very, very straight. And he smiled. And from that, mon- from that moment on, he said to anyone who he met, did you hear what the Panovich Rav said to me? That we together are building the yeshiva. 30 years we've been doing it. You know, the Pasuk says in our Pasha, Im kesef talves ami. When you will lend money to my people, the poor person with you, don't be to him like a, an oppressor, and certainly don't charge him interest. Now, what does it mean, the poor person with you? What does it have to do with the mitzvah of lending money? Rashi says, have a mistakel ba'atzmacha. Look at yourself. Ki ilu ata ani. As if you are an ani. Ask Rav Yeruchim, the mashkiach of Mir, says, why does the, the malve, why does the lender need to see himself as if he's an ani? Right? What, why didn't he just give the loan and that's it? Why does he have to see himself as being a poor, a poor person? In his Sefer Das Torah, so the Mashkiach explains this very, very nicely. He says, the, the policy in medical schools, how do they teach medicine? So they would teach the, the students, obviously using a, 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 a cadaver, a, a dead, a dead body. And anytime there was a question that came up that needs to be discussed, so they would look at that at that uh, uh, cadaver, and based on on you know seeing what they see, they, that's the way they would teach him practically and and in real life how to do certain 
practices, how to do different procedures in, in, in various medical situations. That was really the only real way to teach the medical profession. And, you know, and the, 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 uh, the operation to, 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 uh, you know, how to separate, whatever, was all, was all done hands, hands on. So Hashem also gave us the ability to learn and, and to, and to feel, and to feel in a real way the, the, the laws of what does it mean, Ben Adam Lachaber, what does it mean to deal with, you know, other people? We have to learn from this, from the skeleton. In other words, you have to learn from yourself and, and project yourself onto your friend. Because if you don't feel how a poor person feels, someone who's never, who may be very, very hungry, very, very thirsty, very, very cold, and who, who knows what else he's lacking. If you don't feel that pain, if you don't feel the situation they're in, you're not going to ever be able to understand how to fulfill the mitzvah of lending money. Because you're not there. You're sitting there in your ivory tower, or you're wrapped up in your silk and your, and, and your beautiful, beautiful clothing. How are you going to feel? The, the pain and the embarrassment of your, of your poor friend who needs, who, who has no choice but to come begging for money. This is what Rashi is telling us. Have a Look at yourself. As if you're the honey. Because your money is not your money at all. You only have it in order to give it to the poor person. Right? And, and if, if we have to try to then to, to conjure up to ourselves and put ourselves in his place. Think about his situation. Right? Be for what, be that one moment. Be that, be that skeleton like him. And then you'll learn how we can help someone live. How we can heal another Jew from the pain, from the suffering that he's, that he's going to and, and be able to do chesed to another person. And that's, yeah, we have another person. It says, Don't be horrible to a ger, cause you were gerim in the land of Mitzrayim. Not only because in the, in the past we were slaves like, like him, but we have to feel what does it mean to be a convert? As if right now we ourselves are, are, are gay. And actually feel that. And, and, and his, his difficulties, his challenges in, in a foreign culture amongst foreign people. And then not only are we not gonna, God forbid, take advantage of him, but we'll help him and do everything we can for, for, for that, uh, that, uh, that situation. You know? The, there's a story about a, a, a certain yeshiva bocha in the yeshiva of Porat Yosef that he found a, 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 a money, a found a money bill, a large denomination. So he was very, very happy because he had just learnt the relevant Gemara in, in Bamitzia, where it says if you find scattered money, you're allowed to keep it. Money doesn't have any identifying a, a, a mark, no way anyone can really, can really say it's theirs, and therefore, the money belongs to him. Not so clear because in the Shulchanarach in Yerdea, Simon Reish Ayin, he paskins that if a, a child or someone who is dependent still on his parents for income, for their sustenance, even if they're adults, even if they're Baba Mitzvah, it belongs to the to the father. And and usually someone is uh, learning in yeshiva, even if he's above the age of bar mitzvah, generally they are completely reliant on their parents. Their parents pay their school fees and, and all their all their other expenses. And therefore really uh, a a someone who finds money, it actually belongs to the father. And he should actually tell the father, you found this, uh, uh, money and get permission from the father to use it as he, as he wants. So that's Bach Yeshiva. Nevertheless, even though he knew the Allah they could keep it, he said to himself that I'm going to go to the Rashiva, to Rabbi Ben Sion Abba Shaul. I'm going to ask him. 
What's the halacha? So, and and as he hoped, the Rav Paskin, that there's absolutely no obligation to announce the found object, and the Talmud turned around, happy, and thinking how he was going to spend the money. Didn't get very far. Didn't even get as far as, as the door of the room. And Rabbi Sian Abishal called him back. And to the, to the Talmud's great surprise, the Rav went into his pocket and took out the same a denomination of money. And he said, certainly the person who lost it is really, really upset about the money he lost. Here, take this money. That's a gift. That's for you. And the money that you found, announce so you can get it back. So it was a win-win situation. The the Talmud was very happy he got his money. And the person who lost it was also very happy because he got his money, his money back in the schus of, of the Rashiva of Rinsian Abishal. Now this is Amun Meltzer once explained to his student why is it that when someone knocked on his door, he would run to the door quickly. He explained to him, there might be a poor person there. How can I make him wait? Do you think that he's poor because somehow he doesn't have brains and but I'm a Rosh Hashiva because I have brains? No. This is the way our Kodesh Baruch has run the world that he's decreed there have to be poor people. It says so in the Torah. You're never going uh, to uh, uh, not have poor people. And if this person has accepted upon himself the role or been given the role of being a poor person, so how can I Make him stand outside and wait till maybe I get around to opening the door. This is about 1.9 Chai FM. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Musha Schnurb, only on 101.9 Chai FM. 101.9 Chai FM, salt to salt, back on your way. Thank you for joining us and come. Let us travel an amazing road together. Let's be a little bit controversial and talk about something that maybe doesn't get spoken about. Because there is a Zayar. Not that I learned Zayar, but I'm aware of the Zayar. On the very first Pasuk in this week's Pasha, These are the laws that you must put before them. Pasuk Rav Shimon Vamar. Rav Shimon explained this pasuk and as follows: These are mishpatim. These are the procedures of Gilgal Hanishamis, right? Which are judged each one to get its its punishment. Now, the Magen message once asked his Rebbe, the the Holy Baal Shem Tov, that he should explain to him the words of this. Of this, uh, Zayar, on this pasuk of the Eile El Amishpatim. What is the secret of, of the, of the Gulgulim? What, what, what is it all about? So Bashantav didn't answer him. But after a little while, so the, the, the Magad was instructed by his Rebbe to travel to a certain forest where there he would see a certain tree and he would see a well underneath it. And he should wait in that forest until six o'clock and then go home. So the Magad went to that place and he looked around and saw what was happening there. And this is what happened. There was a one person that came riding on a big, beautiful horse. And since he was tired and worn out, so he got off his horse, ate something, drank something, and then Traveled on. Now, when, and, and he left behind him a purse and in it was an amount of money. Afterwards came another person that also needed to rest. So he found the purse, took it and traveled on his way. Afterwards came a third person. He was also tired and worn out. This person who was uh, literally a, a person who had a very, very difficult life and, and was a broken, very, very poor person, ate a bit of bread that he brought with him, drank some water from the well under the tree, and afterwards he fell asleep. Right? Then the person 
who lost the money came back. The, the, the guy riding on the, on the horse. He woke up the sleeping Ani and demanded, where is the purse with the money that I forgot over here? The Ani didn't know what he was talking about. He didn't know what to answer. He had mamish no idea what, what was going on with that, with that whole story with the money. At the end of the day, the Ani was forced to pay literally for, for, you know, with his own body, for the pain and, and the upset of the person who lost the money, because the, the rider hit him and, and beat him up with terrible, terrible blows, because, you know, even though he had done nothing, nothing wrong. All of this, the Maggid witnessed. And when six o'clock came, he went home. And he told the Baal of his Rebbe exactly what he saw. Said the Rebbe, these three people that you see, that you saw, were already in this world in a previous Gilgal. And this was the story of their lives and their previous lives. The first person you saw riding, that you saw, he owed the second person a, an amount of money. And he never paid his debt. And therefore, that exact money that was in the purse, which he left behind under the tree, right? That was the amount that he owed him. In their previous life, both of them came to the Dayan in order to, to state their claims and possibly what should happen. And the Dayan exempted the, the person, the claimant from paying the debt without really checking into the halacha properly. This Dayan was the third person that now he came back, had to come back as a Gilgal and lived as a poor, uh, as a poor person. Now do you understand that HaKadosh Baruch Hu paid back the first person, paid back the money, what, what he owed to the second person. And, and this Dayan, the third person, he got the punishment that he, that he deserved, that he deserved to, to get. And now, said the Bashanta, now you know what the, uh, what the Zayar meant when he explained the Pasuk, the Eila Hamishpatim, to the whole side of the way, Gilgulim work, HaKadosh works it out. Mosaita says, Omrav Shmuel by Yitzchak says when he started, when, when Rishlakish started to teach Mesecha Saita, he would say as follows, that Ein Mizavgin Laila Adam Isha Elafimaisav. The, the shidduch that a person gets, the wife that a man gets, is only based on his own actions. And he brings a pasuk to, to prove it. Says Rabba, the son of Barchana, in the name of Yochanan, and it's as difficult for HaKadosh Baruch Hu to make Shiduchim like the splitting of the Yamsuf. And again, it brings a Pasuk for, for, for that. Ask Mar, is that really true? But he brings up Yehuda Amorab. Isn't there the famous Gemara that 40 days before a child is even conceived, a heavenly voice comes out and says, this person's son is going to marry this person's daughter? So it's all, it's very pre, what do you mean so hard? Says Gemara like Kasha. One's in the first Zivik, Zivik Rishain, Bahab is Zivik Shani. Zivik Rishain is Abayim Yom Kaidim. Zivik Shani is according to his, to his act. And that's what Rashi says. Right? Zivik Rishain is, is the Mazel. And the Zivik Shani is according how the person opts. And therefore, the second shidduch is so difficult for Hashem because it's not really his, uh, call it soulmate. It wasn't predetermined. Now, there's a similar Gemara, also uh, in Mesechus uh, Sanhedrin, Davchav Beis, and there Taishas asks the question. Because it says that, nevertheless, davening helps during the 40 days where a woman is pregnant, during the first 40 days of, of, of pregnancy, Davening can help to change the sex of a child from male to female or, or vice versa. As the Gemara says, that since 40 days before 
the conception of a child. If a person davens about his wife that she should give birth to a a male child, so even the the he says even the first zivug could be changed through tefillah, as Gemara Moy Cotton says that we don't we don't marry women on cholamoyit, but we can get engaged because we're afraid someone else might come and daven and, and, and take the girl that I'm supposed to be engaged to. And Nisim Shlomo Al-Ghazi in his Sefer Ratzafaba explains this on Amasech HaSaita. Toys has had a question. Since it says in the Gemara in Brachas that until 40 days of a woman's pregnancy a man can daven that is, that his wife shall have a, a male. So if so, that Bryce seems to argue on the other Bryce, which is that 40 days before a child's even conceived. Because if a person davens that he should uh, have a male child, so therefore it could be that during that 40 days, the father of the daughter, or the prospective Kala many years later, if he davens and turns that child into a male, so then, what, what, he doesn't understand, what's Rabbi Yochanan asking? Why don't we just say, Rabbi Yochanan holds like the Brysa, and he argues on the statement about 40 days. And then one answers, no, it doesn't make a difference. Tefillah will always help. In other words, when the Gemara says that 40 days before a child's conceived, the Baskal comes out, that means that's only where if the matter is going to remain unchanged and things will carry on in the normal, natural way without tefillah, then that is predetermined to be a shidduch. But if there's tefillah, then the whole situation, then the whole situation changes. That uh, once a person davens, if during that 40 days, even after the baskos come out, someone davens and changes the sex of of his child, then that is going to completely change the 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 uh, the, the uh, equation. And we could say that's what it means. Even your first zivig, the one that's supposed to be predetermined, but if you're going to change the sex of your child, then of course that's going to change the whole equation, and therefore the shidduch is going to have to be have to be different. There are other answers to this question of Tosfos, but let's attempt. To answer the question of Tosfos again, Tosfos says, how do we marry the, the two statements? One, that 40 days before a child is conceived, a baskal comes out and says, this this one's child, female child is going to marry this one's male child. How do we marry that with the fact that during the first 40 days of conception, a parent can actually daven and change the sex of their child from female to male? So maybe based on what we're saying now on this whole concept of Gilgulim, we can give a different, a different answer. And let's begin with the following in introduction. So Chaim Vital writes that you should know that Achazal said in the first parak of Saita on this pasuk of Elakim Moishiv Yechid in Beisa, Hashem brings individuals into and Hashem takes out those who are prisoners in a good time. So, what is that? And they want to answer that with one's talking about the first zivug, one's talking about the second zivug. Well, I don't, he says, I don't understand. What, does a person have two uh, uh, zivugim? Right? We get married, Paul Shem, once. And what does it mean also that it's so difficult to marry them off as it was to split the the uh, the uh, the red the red sea the red sea, so that's talking about the second shidduch. So it says as follows: You should know that when we talk about ziva grishon, the first shidduch and the second one, we're not talking uh, uh, what seems to be the simple pshat, because you know uh, 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 sometimes. Uh, some people never get married a second time, and often the second marriage is even better than the first. As we've seen many times, it says happens every day. The way to understand the whole thing is based on what again he brings the in the Zayar on this pasuk that uh, uh, 
also just in our parsha it says in Baal Isha, if, if if a person is sold as an Eved Ivri, and so his wife goes with him and has to be supported also by the owner, when he leaves the Yatsay his wife goes with him. And what it means is you should know that when a person is new in this world, in other words, when he's here for the first time that he's coming to this world. So then, as we said, his his uh, partner in life is born with him. It's predetermined. And when it gets time for him to get married, so HaKadosh works it out that in the right moment they, they meet each other without any difficulty and it works somehow miraculously, we call it but if this person, God forbid, sinned did some Avera and now, because of that he's going to have to come back to this world, but he's amongst those people about whom the Torah says, the Yotza Ishtai Imoi his wife has to come with him as the Zayarites, that we have to then also do a Gilgal for his shidduch, that she should come back and and have a gilgal together with him for for his own benefit. Now, this person, when it comes time to get married, to marry this wife, so there, Hakadosh Baruch Hu doesn't make it so easy. There, it takes a much, much, much more difficult to bring those two neshamas together again, because since. The reason they had to come back was because some Avera they, they did. So then in Shemayan there are all kinds of prosecutors who are trying to, to block, block him and they want to stop this marriage from, from taking place. And, and there are all kinds of, uh, 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 difficulties and challenges. And that's what it means. It's as difficult to get those two Nishamas together as it was to split the Yamsuf. And as we said, because this is Zivuk Sheni. In other words, this is when they're coming back the second time, this is his real Shidduch. But since we already married once before the last time we were here, and now when we come back a second time, this is now Zivuk Sheni, because the woman herself is the same woman, but it's second chances. So there... Uh, 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 it, it doesn't go so, so easy. That, that is that, that's where it's kosha, kosha lezavgan. And he says, and with this I'll explain to you how it can be that sometimes Shaduchim goes so glad, so easily, without any problems, without any, any difficulty, just kind of, they just kind of melt in, into each other and, and, and it goes perfectly. And sometimes a man only gets married through Terrible, terrible, terrible trauma and, and difficulty and, and many tries until he finally gets married. And, and after they're married, they live beautifully, peace and, and, and harmony. And that indicates that this is the real shidduch, but it is the zivug sheni. It's, it's zivug round two. And if she wasn't his original, uh, uh sort of bazug, then they would never, never be able to live peacefully once they find find each other. Now, we know that there are opinions that say that Gilgulim only happen to men and not to women. That women, he says, get their punishment in Gehinim and Olam Haba, but men, certainly men who learn Torah, as it's mentioned elsewhere, and sometimes, uh, right? So, so, so men do have to come back, but sometimes women also come back when she might be the cause of the avarice that the husband did. So then she's gonna, you know, if the husband needs to come back because avarice that she might have somehow been the cause of, then she also needs to come back, and then they bring the wife, the wife with him, as the, the Zayar explains. In Baal Ishau, if the, the, she is the husband, she is the, the, the cause of him, then she has to come back with him. 
He then explains something quite fascinating. Why is it that in many households we have a situation where, so to speak, the woman wears the pants and she dominates over the husband? She explains that particularly the, the Chachamim, the Balei Torah of our generation are our replacement, maybe Gugulim, for the people who lived in the generation in the Midbar, the generation that came out of Mitzrayim. And we know what happened there. There was the Erev Rav, this multitude of people, many Egyptians who came with him, who wanted to make the Egel Azov. And the men folk did nothing. They stood by and allowed and they didn't protest. But the women, women refused. The women, we know, refused to contribute any of their gold or jewelry or wealth to the Egel project. And therefore, as rewards, they were given superiority. They were given dominance over their, 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 uh, husbands. Quite, quite interesting. Also, by the way, we know that this whole concept of being able to change the, the, uh, the sex of a child, we know comes from Leah. Because after Leah had six children, they became pregnant again. And she worked out that if she, okay, she already had six children. The two maidservants had two each. So there were 10. They, were, they knew there were going to be 12. If she would have an 11th son, so then, uh, uh, Rachel would only have one child left to have. And that would really be a, that she should have less than the maidservants. She couldn't count this. So she davened and had that child changed into a female, but the the the, the forum tell us that what actually happened was that the the reality was that they swapped, so to speak. That Yosef, the male, went from Leah to to uh, to Rachel, and she changed to a to a uh, to a female to Dina. And, and he says that really is the source for this whole concept that filler can, can help to change the, the, the sex of, of, of a child. But it's a whole different interpretation of what the first civic and the second civic is. This is not in any way a practical discussion, just something to, shoo, blow your minds away and give, get your thinking. In the meantime, this is 11.9 FM, the program is sold to soul. <laughs> Don't run away. There's lots more real, grounded halacha coming up. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Moshe Schnurb, only on 101.9 High FM. 101.9 High FM, this is Soul to Soul. Back on your radio, Erev Shabbos, Kodesh, Pashim, Mishpatim, Tavshin, Pei Base. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for really making the effort. As we're going to begin our segment of learning some of the Hilchas Shabbos, as we always do at the beginning of the segment, to go through the important times that you might need to know for this coming Shabbos. So firstly, the earliest time for lighting candles, for tzini licht, for light hadlokas neiras on this coming uh Ere Shabbos afternoon is at 5.38. 5.38 is the earliest time you can light your candles, but that's soon enough time to get ready, time to have a shower, get everything on the, on the hot tray, whatever, get, get all the house orderly and tidy and the kids orderly and tidy and get into Shabbos absolutely as quickly as possible. We can't wait for Shabbos to come and we embrace it. With two hands, as early as we possibly can. 5.39, 5.38, sorry, is your earliest time for lighting candles. The latest time this uh, afternoon is at 6.43. 70 minutes before 7 is the latest time. Uh, many communities accept the normal Johannesburg standard. Summertime uh, start of being 6.15. And whether you are or aren't at shul, whatever time it is that your shul uh, accepts uh, Shabbos, no later than 6.43, you are then bound to have accepted Shabbos too, even though you're not actually physically 
in the shul. Shtiyah is at 7.01. That's your absolute injury injury time. That if you really, really are, are stuck and, and you're in a dangerous situation, you need to get something done. But otherwise, please make sure that by 6.43, everything is is done. If you want to daven Mayrev and not have to repeat the Krishna, so that's 7.19 will be around the time you wait to, and you can say Krishna then, and then sort of sink into a beautiful, beautiful Friday night, a family time, of some inspiration, some debateris, some zamiras, some beautiful, beautiful time together as a, as a, uh, as a, as a family. Shabbos Kodesh tomorrow, of course, is, as you said, Pasha's Mishpatim, and it, we will actually say the normal Haftarah for Pasha's Mishpatim, that's slightly rare because most situations, the Shabbos on which we read Pasha's Mishpatim is also usually Pasha's Shkalim, the first of the four special readings that we read just around Purim. However, of course, this year, uh, although we are benching Rosh Chodesh Adar uh, tomorrow, but we have two Adars. We have a leap year this year. Purim is still six and a half weeks Away, and therefore, although we're going to read Pashas Mishpatim, the there's no special Mafkir and Aftera is the normal Aftera for Pashas Mishpatim. We then, of course, say Kiddush Chodesh. We then bench the new month Rosh Chodesh. This week will be on Tuesday and Wednesday, one of those great weeks where we have four continuous days of Torah reading uh, in a row. During, during the week, Tuesday and Wednesday, and then we're into Adarishan. Adarishan also has some of the qualities of, of, of Adar, but none of the mitzvahs that all, obviously all the celebrations of Purim and things around it all take place in Adar, in Adar Sheni. Many personal anniversaries, however, uh, are transferred, especially sometimes yard sites are, are transferred and celebrated in the, or commemorated in the first, uh, Adar in a situation where the, the person may have passed away in a normal Adar where there was only one Adar and now there are two. Many, in fact, celebrate the yard site, uh, in, in, in the first opportunity, which is the, the first, the first, uh, the first Adar. So we have Shabbos Mavarchim and whatever that means in your community, whatever celebrations and ceremonies and maybe good food that is uh, uh, dished up on a Shabbos Mavarchim. Go and enjoy it. The Sefer Shkodesh is on Tuesday and Wednesday. Shabbos already is starting to get a little bit shorter. Shabbos Kodesh ends this week at 7.35, 25 minutes to 8. Still plenty of time to get a lot done Shabbos afternoon. Have a shlof, have a walk, say, uh, socialize with some friends, learn some Torah. Right, get into it, get into the Pasha. Oh, this Pasha is a, is a doozy. There's so much to learn, so many Rashis, so much to get your head around. Let's not waste any time. That's, that's the main thing about Shabbos. Shabbos, we can't waste time. You want to have a shlaf? Fine, go have a shlaf for an hour or so. But then get up and, you know, just, just sit around and, 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 and be frivolous and, and use it, use the time positively, use the time to grow, use the time to, to motivate yourself and become a better person. Do you know that there's actually a custom to say good Shabbos or Shabbat Shalom to your rabbi? And I'm not just saying this because I am a rabbi. No, there's actually a chazal. Let's say it. Says Amr Rav Yitzchak. Rav Yitzchak says Gemara in Rosh Hashanah after Zayin Lebeis. Chayiv Adam, a person is obligated lahak biel pnei Rabbi Berega to greet and 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 uh, and uh, have have a an exchange with one's Rebbe on a Yom Tov. What's the reason behind the mitzvah? Obviously, to to strengthen the connection, to strengthen the the the, the bonds that we have with with our Rav, because the stronger one's connection, the stronger one bond is with one's Rav. 
so that he has the ability, Baruch Shem, to, you know, through that connection, to strengthen you in, in your adherence, in your connection to Torah and, and to Mitzvah, which of course is our overall goal. That's all we're here for. So we need a, a Rav to, to direct us. We need a Rav to paskin our halachic questions, but even perhaps more than our lack of questions, our hashkafa questions. What should we do? Where should we give stalker to? You know, uh, where should we? Send, what school should we send our, our children to? What kind of entertainment should we be allowing into our home? Those are real, valid, important questions that you should be asking your 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 rabbi. And and Shabbos is the time to mark that relationship by going over and wishing him a warm. Good, good Shabbos. And, and particularly, these days of special Kedusha, your, your Shabbosos, your, your Chagim, Yom and Tevim, they are days that are really set aside, and they're so appropriate as days to strengthen that connection to those who really are, are carrying the lamp, or are carrying the torch of Torah, our Kodesh ambassadors on this on this earth, who represent the Rebbe and spread and disseminate what our Kodesh Baruch wants spread and, and disseminated. And, and therefore, there is a custom amongst the Jewish nation dating back long, long time. In fact, as we actually learned from the, uh, we're in the Tanakh, where we know the story, it's actually the Haftarah, Parshish Vayera, where Elisha granted this Isha Shanamis a, a child. And that child then died. And the Isha Shanamis quickly got an animal and was about to go and, and, uh, and run to Elisha. And her husband sees her getting all ready and, and do it up and getting the animal saddled and he asks her, says, Madua Atoilakasilavayom, why are you going to the uh to, to your master, to your Rebbe today? It's not a Roshhoidish, Lai Shabbos, nor is it a Shabbos. Pasimalochim. Which very, very strongly gives the indication that had it been or a Shkodesh, or a Shabbos, the husband would not have raised eyebrows, would not have been surprised that his wife was going to visit Elisha, because it's an absolutely correct thing to go and greet the Navi or the Rav on, on these very, very special, special days. And the Rishonim actually explain that the mitzvah, of course, depends on how far away one is from one's rav. Someone who lives very, very far from his rav. So then, he needs to uh, go at least on Yomtev to his, to his, uh, to his rabbi. As Rav Yitzchak said, someone who lives bit closer. So then, he should do it at least once a month. And someone who lives very, very close. So then, it has to be at least once on a on a on a Shabbos. We're going to come back with our final segment in a moment. This is Soul to Soul on 101.9 High FM, the greatest Jewish radio station in all of Africa. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Moshe Schnurb, only on 101.9 High FM. 101.9 Chai FM, Soltasol, back on your radio air, Shabbos, Kodesh, Pasha, Mishpatim, Tavshin, Peibes, as we wrap it up for this week and soon run away to get ready with our own Shabbos. We're talking about the minig of not only creating a contact, creating a context and, 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 uh, and a connection to your own, but it's based on this minig of actually going and saying Shabbos, Shalom, good Shabbos to your Rav. And based on this, the minute today is that on certainly on Friday night and many places Shabbos morning also, after the davening, people come to the Rav and say Shabbat Shalom or good Shabbos or whatever, whatever it is. And the truth is that even those that come to hear the Rav's drosha, are also considered people who are coming to 
greet, to visit, to to accept the the blessing and and the homage and 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 the Torah of their of their Rebbe. That's it's explained by by Rabbanim, and that even though the truth is, even though women are not obligated in the mitzvah of of Talmud Torah with all its details and all its you know myriad of facets. But nevertheless, certainly, as regards a general outlook, a general connection to Torah and to those that learn Torah, so of course, uh, 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 women are, are, are equally, perhaps even more important than the connection that men have. It's it's vital that a woman have a rov, someone she feels close to, someone she feels comfortable to, speaking about whatever it is that's on her mind, whatever she needs to to speak, be it again, be it halacha, be it, be it ashkofa, be it, you know, dealing with issues in her life, it's vital. Right? It, it's, it's well known that even before the events at our Sinai, Hashem commanded Moshe to to, uh, you know, to, uh, uh, first speak to the women and then only speak to the, to the men. In fact, the apostle says, say it to the base Yaakov. That's the women, says Rashi. And B'nai so that's the men. And therefore, it's not, uh, just a coincidence that the mitzvah to visit one's rav on, on Yontav, Shabbos, whatever it is, is learnt from actually the Isha Shanamas from a, from a woman. Because it, it, it seems, I mean, it's, it's absolutely vital that the overall general, uh, uh, gambit of, of, of a real relationship with a rav and, and, and the relationship of, of a woman to Torah is in a way deeper than the relationship of, of a man. Because obviously, you know, men are involved in, in, in the, in the minutia, in the details, in the halakas, and trying to break their heads to understand a Gemara or a Tosis, and, and, and you get bogged down in, in that. But the women are, are more on, on, on a fundamental. They're, they're more connected to the concepts, to the, to the ideas, to the, to the beauty of, 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 of Torah. And therefore, in either way, it's vital and important that we use every opportunity, and Shabbos is such a wonderful opportunity to cement that connection. That's about all the time we're going to have this week. Just a moment to wish you all the most amazing, amazing Shabbos one could have, a time of Kedusha, Menucha, Nachas, and, and Bracha, a time to really connect with yourself, connect with your family, connect with your Rav, and Be'ez Hashem, together with your whole family, I wish Every one of you, a beautiful, beautiful, good Shabbos.